Red Rock Lit Fest Writers Read. Hello everyone, welcome. Today I am with writer Barry Brodsky. Barry currently teaches screenwriting and playwriting at Boston University Film School and Leslie University's MFA program in creative writing. He has also taught at Emerson College. He served three years in the Army and directed an educational program for military veterans at UMass Boston. I'm looking forward to seeing Barry's play, King Street Mix-Up, at the Marblehead Little Theatre in May 2022. Hi, Barry. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Agatha. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Oh, good. I'm glad, too. I'm excited. I love a play. I hope you're going to read some of it to us. I'm going to read a little bit. Okay, but before you start reading, I have three questions for you about your writing. Okay. Okay. Do you prefer pen or keyboard when you write? Well, um, I start, when I started writing uh, plays um, in the early 1980s, stage plays, uh, I always wrote them out in longhand. Um, as the years went by and my handwriting got uh, much worse, uh, I started doing a hybrid first draft. And now I pretty much do it uh, mostly on uh, my laptop. Uh, but the other thing I realized, too, uh, is with a laptop, uh, personally, I am a very fast typist, and sometimes uh, writing longhand, I can't keep up with my thoughts. Uh, and that, and I remember that uh, I remember sitting on a on a bus, doing something right hand uh, in longhand back probably in the mid 1980s, and putting the notebook back in my backpack because I was going too slow. So I think it, it was probably a combination of uh, speed of thought along with. Um, my uh, decline in uh, being able to read my own writing. <laughs> okay. And are you a daytime or a nighttime writer? Um, I started off as a nighttime writer, but now it, it, I, I, uh, I've noticed over the last number of years that um, I write in spurts. Um, if I'm working on something, it, it doesn't matter what the hour of the day is. Um, and um, um, I'm probably a little bit better uh, better at night for one reason or another. I'm not sure which. Um, um, I think I'm, uh, I think I, I feel like I'm a little more creative uh, when things are really quiet around the house. Um, I mean, one of my favorite stories is Tom Clancy uh, writing his first novel uh, by waking up an hour earlier every morning and uh, writing it out longhand for a year and a half when he was practicing law. Um, and what he said uh, in the interview I read that uh, he, it was just the quiet that allowed him to just push through it. Um, for me, it's much more quiet at night. Yes, it is, isn't it? And what is inspiring you at the moment? Well, it's, uh, it's inspiring in, 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 in maybe a negative way. It's just uh, the, the situation we find ourselves in between um, uh, the pandemic on the one hand and uh, the, the large number of people in the country uh, who uh, believe in uh, the, uh, an alternative reality um, that is very harmful, dangerous, um, and deadly. So um, I feel inspired to try to write something about it. Um, and uh, the screenplay I'm going to read from, which I actually started several years ago, um, 
uh, was was inspired by some of those feelings, but they've really come to the fore now, which is why why I've picked this particular piece back up and, and continuing to work on it. Okay, and so tell us what you will be reading to us today. Uh, it's a screenplay uh, called The Starting Five, um, and um, I had written uh, a, a short film that got produced, and uh, after it, it had a, a showing at a uh, at a theater in Cambridge, um, and someone who was on the crew of that uh, of that production approached me after the showing of the film um, and said he was uh, also produced uh, low budget films and was interested in uh, doing a film on school shootings, something he was very very passionate about, trying to. Uh, uh, have some positive reaction uh, to to the the uh, to the issue of uh, of young kids being shot in their schools. Um, so we got together, and he had an idea for it, and wrote out a, a couple drafts. We got some actors together. They read the, the script, um, and it was awful. Um, the the story just didn't work. The actors had a lot of good suggestions, and he was very dispirited. And I, I thought, well, let's. Um, Let's let's give it another try, and we changed the story around, um, uh, and uh, got the actors back together, and they really liked it. Uh, and I was very excited because I thought he was going to produce it, but he ended up getting it was good for him. He got uh, several job offers back to back, and then realized he wasn't going to have the time or be able to raise the money to make this film. So we agreed on because he paid me to write the script. So we agreed on a on a on a. Uh, uh, a formula of uh, uh, of uh, ownership of the script, and I'm the one that was, that's been marketing it. So I continue to work on rewriting it, um, and hoping that some one of these days uh, we can get it out there. My real hope is that it'll become a moot point um, because uh, the story is about a town that experiences a school shooting, and it, and there's a number of major characters. There's not one protagonist, uh, which most films have. Um, this is a film with multiple protagonists. I used the, the movie Crash, if you're familiar with that, as a model. I think there were 11 uh, main characters in that. Uh, there's nine or ten in this script. Um, and the reading today will just focus on uh, one of uh, one of the main one of the major characters. Um, the uh, the title, the starting five, is because the the the, uh, the five uh, characters who are on the screen most are these young women who ten years earlier uh, had shocked their whole state uh, by winning the state basketball championship. They were the starting five for that team. They all went their separate ways. And uh, there's a school shooting 10 years later in this uh, moderate-sized city, think like Lynn or, or, or Salem, um, where uh, the child of one of those five women was killed. Um, she had ma she's married to a politician who's running for mayor, um, and she, gets, uh, she reunites her team to try to push for a non-binding referendum to outlaw the ownership of what are called military assault weapons in that city. Um, um, so the, the, uh, the, the two scenes I'm going to read from is uh, this woman's husband, who's running for mayor and thinks that if he supports that referendum, that uh, he will lose the election. Uh, his opponent is being heavily financed by the gun lobby, um, and all the polls show it's a neck-and-neck -neck race. And he's trying to convince his wife throughout this, the movie that uh, the slow the slow process of 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 getting to that point where you can uh, ban assault weapons in the city uh, is the only one that can work. Um, and she's ready to leave him. 
Um, so that's one of the plot lines uh, in, in the story, the, the one I chose to do the reading of. Okay, I'm just already breathless, but yes, let's get going with this. Wow. Um, okay, so um, the, uh, the politician's name is Dennis, and his wife, uh, who only briefly is on screen in these two scenes, his name is Andrea, <clears throat> and, um, uh, and it's about a week before the election, um, and he um, uh, is heading off to his final debate with his opponent, a guy named Jackson, who we see from time to time in the film uh, with the uh, leaders of the gun lobby, which uh, I give a different name to, but it's, it's obviously modeled on the NRA. Um, and, um, and they seem to be on the brink of separation. Um, uh, they both want to hold it together, but it, it seems kind of impossible because she has been working night and day with her friends um, to get this uh, petition passed, hoping that if the non-binding petition passes, whoever's elected the new mayor will, uh, uh, will put it into law. Uh, through the city council. Um, uh, Dennis has just left the house, and in this first scene, uh, he is walking down a street, and he sees a playground. He crosses the street and looks out at the children playing on swings. There's older children playing basketball, lots of yelling, laughing, general playground noise. He starts to walk away, but he stops and stares back out at it. He sees a bench nearby. He walks over and sits. After a few moments, a young dad uh, approaches. Young dad. Is this seat taken? Dennis. Uh, no, no, uh, go right ahead. The young dad sits. Young dad. Which one's yours? Dennis. Hmm? Which kid? M mine's that one over there. The one in the red shirt? See him running over there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey. He looks like a fine boy. Oh, he is. <laughs> You'd never know it, but two years ago he was diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. <laughs> we weren't sure he was going to make it. Oh, well, that, that's pretty rough. Yeah, they asked us if we'd uh, let them try a new treatment, something, uh, something super aggressive, they said. <laughs> we said, sure, anything, if it'll save him. And it did. He's been cancer-free for six months. Dennis. Well, that, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Young dad. You know, if this was like even 10 years ago, we probably would have lost him. You gotta love medical science. They just keep plowing ahead. They, they just keep looking for the cure, you know? Dennis is staring straight ahead. Young dad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I... I get a bit carried away. So uh, which kid's yours? Dennis is still staring straight ahead. Uh, and that's the end of that scene. A couple scenes later is the debate. And uh, I'm just going to read the part of Dennis's opening statement. But uh, there's a minor character in the, in the screenplay named Marlene. She's a TV reporter. Um, and um, she's moderating this debate. Jackson uh, finishes up his opening statement. Uh, just by uh, quickly mentioning uh, why he's uh, uh, opposed to the non-binding referendum that'll be on the ballot uh, the next Tuesday. And then Marlene tells Dennis uh, that he can give his opening statement. And there's some time limit on the opening statement. So Dennis, uh, Dennis uh, leans forward. They're sitting at a table. It's no secret 
that my wife has been a leader in this effort. I, I admire her courage taking this on at a time like this in our lives. I, I told her privately I didn't think that this was the right move at this time. I told her we should start with something like a limitation in sales of all firearms to two a month, something I've discussed in my campaign before the tragedies of the school and the mall shootings. Well, I knew this question would come up tonight, so I prepared to discuss those initial steps. But then, as I was thinking about it, it struck me that when we Americans decide to defeat something that's killing us, something that instills so much fear in us, we don't start with small measures. Remember when polio struck, got so many of us, particularly young children, we, we weren't going to settle for anything less than total victory over that disease. And we're not going to rest until we defeat cancer and diabetes and similar diseases the same way with science. But when we approach the disease, not with science, but rather with politics, look what happened. How many people died of AIDS because we, our elected officials, didn't have the courage to put politics aside and turn to science for answers? There's a splatter, smattering of applause. So now we have this disease among us that uh, can be called mass shootings. One of the most insidious elements of this disease is what's known in the vernacular as military-style assault weapons. Marlene, I'm sorry, Counselor, but your time is... Audience starts to boo, some yell, let him speak. Marlene looks over to Jackson, who nods and motions that it's okay with him. Marlene, okay, continue. Then back to Dennis. So we're approaching it with politics, and that's wrong. It's really pretty simple. My wife and her friends, they're exactly right. They're exactly right. Andrea, sitting in the front row, wipes away a tear. If I'm elected mayor, the first thing I'll do is issue an executive order to ban the private ownership of military-style assault weapons in this city. Citizens will have 90 days to turn them in. They'll be paid 125% of fair market value for every legally owned assault weapon in their possession. And those in the city who own such weapons illegally you too will have 90 days to turn them in and receive 50% of fair market value plus an immediate amnesty protecting you from any prosecution. There's applause and boos from the audience. Marlene, please, please, come on, keep, keep, keep our applause and booing for the end. The audience quiets down. Back to Dennis. The city will raise necessary additional money through using some of its rainy day fund. We'll, uh, we'll ask for private donations. And if necessary, we'll levy a fair, uh, a fair levy of some taxes on local businesses and property owners. The result will be safer streets, a deep cut into the number of weapons of destruction that plague us all. Dennis sits back. Marlene looks over to Jackson. Mr. Jackson, uh, do you have a reply? Callahan, who's the leader of the anti-gun lobby, is intently looking at him. Jackson leans forward. I don't support that measure. I think it violates the Second Amendment, and I don't think it can withstand the legal challenge. Applause and booing, but it dies down very quickly. However, I have to say, 
Were I in Councilor Freeman's shoes, had my wife and I lost a child in the manner that the counselor and his wife have? Jackson looks over at his wife, who's in, also in the first row. She looks at him and nods. Back to Jackson. I guess I'd probably give it a try, too. Jackson sits back. It's the end of that scene. That is so intense. That's so nice. Wow. Wow, when's this movie coming out? <laughs> yeah, if, if you have a million dollars, I can get it made. <laughs> okay. Anybody out there with a million dollars? Just get in touch with me. Just get in touch with Barry. Listen, Barry, thank you so much for that. You can sure. listen to more from Barry at the Red Rock Literary Festival, November 6th and 7th. You can register for our event at the web at our website, reacharts.org. I want to thank you so much for listening, and Barry, thank you so much oh, for thank coming. Thank you so much, uh, Agatha. I really appreciate you having me here. It's been great. I really enjoyed it. Thank Thanks. you. Okay, take care. Thanks for listening. Stop by again.